0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, Crypto Traders Worldwide. I got, some, I got a lot for you today on today's news update on various topics, but I'm going to center in on three because they are the most important right now. And follow along with me. It'll be a little bit difficult to, to track with, but I think once you get into the groove and I, I kind of start smoothing this out that it'll start making sense what we're talking about. But, you know, let's start. Let's start the morning with the, the elephant in the room, which is Satama. Satama, if you, you're you either in it or you're considering being in it or you just got out of it, you can only fit in one of those three categories. And regardless, that means that any of those three has a vested interest. Now, here's the bad news. Satama right now is right back down where it was prior to the ramp up to this event. So prior to the announcements of Mexi, prior to the announcements of Poloniex, prior to the getting close to the event and you know, on the 13th, it's right back down to where it was. That means that our resistance point has not changed. Why is that significant? Because if our resistance point was not changed after all of the different up trend that we had, it means that the vast majority of people that sold out were some of the whale wallets that were out there that had a significant bags in the thing. And those are likely ones that are, they're expecting the up, 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 up trend. They're not, they're not, they're not as stable when it comes to any sort of not quite negative news, but unexpected news. It's a similar thing as with, you know, something where a car is supposed to come out then it it's going to be delayed a week. And then all of a sudden you see their stock tanking. It's the same thing where, look, it's still coming. It's just delayed. And then they, they tank the stock. People sell out because they're waiting for up, 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 good news, consistent pattern and trends. And when it doesn't happen, they'll sell off their stock. They're investors. They have the right to do that. And I even called out prior to the event, leading up to the event, I specifically said, we don't know what that new resistance is going to look like. We don't know how high it will go. And we don't know who's going to sell. Because even if it did skyrocket, let's say it kept going up. Let's say that the thing did launch on, on deck you were still going to have major sell-offs because of people who became millionaires. I call that, that this is a normal, natural expectation. And that was why I couldn't make a hard prediction until we had the event go through. Then we could get a good sense of where we should be and where we should land. So the fact that it was able to drop back down to its previous resistance um, at 8 Tells me that the vast majority of people who traded off were not your retail folks. It was gonna be there was obviously some of those, but the vast majority are gonna be the large bag ones because there were a lot of large wallets, as we already knew, that were sitting on Satama. And we didn't expect that so many of them would just fickle sell out, but we did expect that people who became millionaires because of dropping that last zero, they were gonna sell. So I think you got a double whammy there. And people that became millionaires because of that zero, they just got out because they, they got what they wanted. And then other people who sold out because they were disappointed with the event, as I'm told, by and large, the event was a, a shindig, a get-together. Hey, we're going to have a good time. We're going to celebrate what we're doing with the token. But there wasn't significant substantial information given with respect to Cytomask other than, hey, it's coming in two weeks, and here's the stuff that it's going to do, but it's not going to be today like we had told you it's going to be. And a lot of people's disappointment at the fact it wasn't showing today, because especially now because gas fees have been spiking recently. So I think that played another factor. The fact that you could have used that as an opportunity to get ahead of the gas fees and this is your time to say, yep, we've got our tool. But because of factors outside of their control, it's not going to come. And so the net effect is disappointment from certain investors who just say, oh, I'm just going to sell. As I said in last night's podcast entry, I think the better answer is to simply say I'm not going to buy in until I see that there's more significant, substantial progress made in the project. I'm just not going to add any more because when you sell, especially if you sell at a loss, you're only hurting yourself. If you think about it, you're not hurting anybody else. You're hurting yourself because remember, reflections still go to everybody else. And so once the thing goes back up, because it will go back up, all that's going to do is cause people to, have more value sitting on, the ba- sitting on their bags that you cashed out on. Now, maybe you don't care as an investor. You have every right not to care. I'm not criticizing your individual choices as an investor other than to say and repeat, I think you made a mistake because I think that your reaction was based on emotion and possibly a little bit of alcohol, but I don't think it was based on strong fundamentals because, if, again, if you realize this kind of thing is common, in stock, it happens all the time. Are there sell-offs? Sure. But not to the degree we're seeing here, where it literally loses half of what it gained. That's that's unheard of. So that tells me that there were a lot of people there that had high expectations, rightfully so, as investors, but then they sold off because their expectations weren't perfectly met. And I do think, again, the communication and managing the dam- you know damage control and everything else is going to be important, and I will watch it, continue to watch it, But I'm disappointed in those that just pulled the trigger and did that, as well as the people who openly said, you know, because people are selling, I'm going to go ahead and sell myself because everybody else is selling. I'm very disappointed in seeing that from people. I understand that there was a perception bias as well with Joe Gagain, where because he's sloppy drunk and apparently he's asking for money and this and that and the other, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what that has to do with your your investment. Because he's not a as far as I know, maybe I'm wrong, but as far as I know, he doesn't work directly for them. He represents them as kind of the voice of them in some ways and their outlet for doing public shows. But as far as I know, he is not the one that is representing the company. It's Russell. And from day one, Russell has tried to be as transparent as he can with within the bounds of non disclosure. I have called out, and I'll call out again, as I've frequently done, and it affects all crypto, not just Satama, that I, I, as an investor, want to see more specifics. I want more specific dates, times, places. This event, they were very spot on, but other things they had not done. And so I have called out that I want to see more specifics. With the Certic audit, I think that was a gap where there was not enough specificity. That might have been a Certic problem, I don't know. The point is, I wanted to know When did you file the shindig audit? When did they tell you they'd be done? Because as a former auditor myself, they should be able to tell you the completion date for an audit based on the scope of the audit because the scope of the audit is very specific. So if they couldn't tell you what the completion date was with some confidence, I would call that a red flag and I would hesitate, as I mentioned on a previous entry, to give a date for this shindig until I had that date and maybe they just said look we got to get ahead of winter that's smart cuz obviously travel gets affected by winter we need to get affected by get ahead of thanksgiving cuz that affects timing of travel and events and planning they have other people they got to coordinate with right all the different celebrities i understand and i understand the problem that they were fighting to manage all the different moving parts and pieces i'm simply saying that to me everything still should have been around the certic audit knowing that none of the rest of it would really be effective without that completion and if you didn't get that completed or they couldn't tell you when it was going to be completed to me that's a that's a red flag because as an auditor they should be able to tell you within scope it's a very specific scope and we know that COVID delays them and all that they still should be able to tell you a date as an audit firm from my perspective that's an unacceptable gap on certic side of if they didn't give a date why couldn't they and then on the Saitama side Why didn't you pin them down for one? And if you tried and they didn't do it, then to me, the event should not. I would just take the deal, take the L and say, look, let's just do beginning of December and just kind of see if we can work it there. I I also think that some people um, were more upset about the the cost of travel because you have to fly out there. That's cost. You have to do the hotel. Hotels in Vegas are a joke in terms of cost. There's all sorts of other expenses that went into doing the event where it, is, it has a parallel to Keanu Inu's donation deal because you're not going to get that money back, right? You went to the event and you're not going to get that money back for what you spent on the event. Of course, you chose to spend on the event because you chose to go there. And if you chose to go there only because of Cytomask specifically, I can understand the, the frustration, but I would question why you would just go out there if all you cared about was Cytomask. I would have just stayed home. To me, if you're going to an event like that, you should go because you want to meet the team, because you want to meet the people, because you want to see Willie D. You want to see, I think they said Floyd Money Mayweather was out there. They said all these different celebs, and you want to see them and possibly get a photo and have this shindig and just be around people. That, to me, would would have been the better logic of why you would purposely spend the money. Like, I can't imagine myself spending money to go out to a function just to see a tool when I can see the tool after the function for free. That, uh, that's me. I'm singular in that regard. I just don't understand that logic if that's all you cared about. If you didn't like the way the event went off, that's a valid criticism. Perhaps you didn't like it. I do, I'll call this out and then I'll switch topics. There were uh, pieces of information that were distributed primarily on social media where it was touted as a... Steve jobs like thing. I think that was a mistake. I don't know where that came from. If that came directly from Russ or it came from somewhere else, I can tell you this, Steve jobs never did the loud banging music. Da, 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 da. Steve jobs never focused on dark rooms. Steve jobs didn't have a bunch of light sticks and stuff. Steve jobs didn't have a bunch of alcohol all over the place. His presentation was a very clean professional type deal purpose-driven around whatever tool it was that he was presenting at the time. What I saw, at least from the videos on social media and the photos, was not in concert, no pun intended, to what I would see from a Steve Jobs presentation. That may have played a factor in certain people's perception of what the event was going to be going in, and because they didn't have an official live stream, I think that just made things worse. It's like you didn't really know. One thing that like there's a vendor called Highland software out there and they hold a community live. And sometimes it's in Vegas and sometimes it's in Nashville. Sometimes it's in Orlando. I think they still do all of them. They've been doing remote because of COVID, but in the past, what they would do is leading up to the event, they would give you photos of the stage photos of the different thing. We knew going in that, you know, the bill Primer, who's the, who's the big guy that he would get up on stage and he would play guitar because he's a, he's a guitar player. So he would play guitar to entertain the fans, uh, of the product and he would and it was not just for current customers but new customers people were curious you could walk by and go in there but it was always presented as there is going to be this thing where we're going to have fun together but there's also these breakout classes and they would talk about the breakout classes and so you already have a, had a sense of how it's going to go before you went in there now of course they would have themes like uh, when they go to Nashville it's at Opryland. And so they would have a theme around country music, obviously. But generally speaking, it was a very targeted, focused, similar type of thing as what you saw here with Satama, which is why I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't surprised at all to see that they would focus that way because that usually is the most, the one that, that fans of the product would generally go to the most and celebrities would like the most versus a dry, dull, you know, get up in front just talk about a product and go home. But I think that investors, certain investors had a different perception of what it was going to be. And that may have played a factor into a lot of the disappointment that was out there. So I stress it again, and this is my opinion and I hold my opinion. I don't think that the reaction was fair, but I understand it. The damage control is going to be a big key. How they are able to communicate, how they're able to manage people's expectations you know, what is it that they're going to do now to make this, you know, recoup what they've lost, which is a number of investors, entice new investors, get away from the press because there's going to be some some press shenanigans, I can assure. And, I'll, you know, I I regret not going because I have I know I guess they said no cameras are allowed, which I, I don't understand that. But you still could film with your phone. But it seemed like people didn't have even the right equipment to film on a phone. Because when you film on a phone, it seemed like Jake, it seemed like he was just using a, um, a selfie stick or something else. And it was not, it was just a bunch of people. But they didn't have like, you know, gimbal holders and things. They weren't doing like headpoint interviews where you're holding the microphone to somebody's face and asking them, hey, we're here, what's the deal? Tell us about Sight of Mass. Tell us about what's going on here. And then if you look at other news places, NTD and others, they're asking people that came in, tell us what brought you out to Vegas, obviously tell us the reasons that you're here. Now you can glean a lot of that information about the motivations of the people that made the trip out there so that the team can process, okay, we just misread their, their intentions and we misread their priorities because some of the people are there just to get sloppy drunk, but many of the people are probably there to understand how their investment is going to benefit from what you're about to tell us and that you've been talking about for years and so that's, or it's going to be months, but I think that having that professional type interviewer interaction and it's somebody that's, that's actively asking hard questions, right? What's, what's this mean? Tell us why this happened. Tell us what's going on here. Where we go next helps mitigate some of the damage. You're still going to get some of that. It's going to happen no matter what you do. But I think you can mitigate a vast majority of it if you get that kind of professional presentation from a, new quote unquote news perspective and when you're a podcaster or present yourself as one as as certain youtubers do i think you should also have that like radio rahim does a good job of this where you when you're out and you're interviewing people you come across as a, a viable outlet for information and you get really good information through those and i think that was lacking and i think the lack of it created also a false perception of the lack of professionalism, because that was called out multiple times. That's easy to mitigate. You just simply need to make sure that people are well-equipped to do those types of things, to interview people firsthand and then get right in front of it. And again, I regret not doing it. Other situations caused me not to be able to do it. And secondarily, the being around a bunch of sloppy drunk probably wasn't going to be appealing, but I would have been willing to deal with that if I were directly, let's say, invited by the developers to perform that function as i suspect jake was invited to perform that function maybe he went on his own i don't know but if if i were invited i would have actively worked to make sure i could do a professional type situation and doing the filming but the whole no cameras thing really was kind of strange because i don't i mean that defeats the whole purpose of the whole it defeats the purpose of vegas number 1 number 2 how do you, you know that you need to photograph certain things and document certain things and record certain things for security reasons? So what's the whole heartburn against cameras? And maybe it was just certain type of camera hardware, like the larger camera hardware, but like the DSLRs might have been okay. I didn't see very many DSLRs, people using DSLRs. I have a high-end DSLR. That would have been preferred because it can video record. And it's one of the higher end ones that would have given a very professional, when you know what you're doing, professional presentation to it that might have helped offset some of the perception issues. I'm only talking about perception when I say these things. I'm not criticizing individuals. I'm saying that I think the perception was different than what it was. So that's what it is. Um, It's currently on a slight recovery trend as of right now. And one last point I want to make about the cells because I'm seeing a pattern in the cells. And I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat and I'm going to theorize here. I believe that a lot of the sales were from people that were purposely trying to bring the value down. I, I, follow me. I think there were people that were purposely trying to bring the volume down, depress the value, so that they could buy in at a lower price point and increase the bag for it to go back up. You get where I'm going with this? That, that's a strategy, actually, in, in investments, especially because they're larger wallets that are doing it. It is actually very brilliant if my theory is correct. I have no way to prove it because I can't get into their heads. But when I look at the sell, the order books on the exchanges, I find it mighty funny that the vast majority of the sell behavior is on the lower prices, purposely pushing or trying to keep the price down. So the vast majority of the people selling large bags are trying to keep the price down, but then there's a significantly high volume at those lower price points. The only reason I can think of that would be the case would be where there are situations where people have sold and are continuing to sell to help keep the value down so that they can buy into the lower price point. Cause remember that's going to be half the price when it went back down because it got up to a high of 17 and now it's back down to an eight point. That means that people haven't have possibly been taking the opportunity to increase their bag at a lower price because they saw, okay, we saw it's coming. Let's go ahead and use this opportunity, not only for me to increase my bag, but also spread some FOMO out there for other people to sell off. That'll help the price get as low as we can. And then we'll just buy the dip back in at a higher price point. Cause you could have people that, that they're dollar-cost averaging, and that's fine, but I think there's also this lewd underbelly of society that is purposely depressing the value so that they can increase their bag. If I look at the volume numbers, the volume numbers have not significantly decreased. That means that people that sold, the people that sold did not offset the people that were buying. The only logical possible reason and explanation for this would be people that sold with the intent of buying at the lower price. So if you're listening to this and you're part of Satama, I want you to chew on that for a little bit. I want you to chew on that. And you know, you got to understand how the, how the games play. You know, it's a hustler. You know, you're a hustler. You got to understand these people, how they think. That there's a game to this. And once you master the game, you're, you start seeing through some people's strategies. All right, let's switch topics I I did almost perfect 20 minutes on that one, but I thought it was important, but let's switch topics. Now, let's cover another exchange, and the reason I dedicated this one on this particular update is because it won't take me long to cover it because it's garbage, and that's IndoX. IndoX, I'll just summarize this right now. It is the ghetto of exchanges. It is the dollar general of exchanges. It is the dollar store of exchanges. It is the pick and save of exchanges. It is the swap meet of exchanges, it is the lowest tier of exchange I can possibly think of of all the exchanges I've ever talked about or experienced, I can't think of a more distasteful, unappealing, pointless exchange than Indox. And when you you're like, I don't know, I haven't even heard of Indox. The only reason I got into Indox is because ID finance it, that coin, that's the only exchange, open exchange, that is available to trade that token is Indoex. So if you want to buy ID Finance right now without the gas, you will need to go to Indoex. Now, there's some pros. Obviously, if ID is something that you're interested in, then you would need to go to Indoex. There's a couple of other ones, but they're garbage. I might not even cover them. They're so bad. IndoX is the only one that was closest for the United States folks. And so when I looked at Indoex and I'm trying to figure wrap my head around how to get around this thing, I figured it out. It was fine. Once I figured it out and I was able to do what I needed to do, which was to sell, because I was trying to sell the Ethereum ID and buy into Binance ID. So I was able to get the ID over there. I was able to do the setup pretty easy. The interface is not terrible, but it's just ghetto looking. I was able to sell like fine and then I needed to transfer out. The transfer out took forever. No reason it took forever. It took earthly forever. Um, and there are certain things they'll let you withdraw and certain things they won't. And then their minimums are a joke and just it was hard to finagle the interface. And then certain ones, they don't even let you withdraw, like Binance, BNB, for no real reason. You just can't do it. And so there's all these different things that I think are turnoffs for people. However, I'll stress it again. If you want to buy ID Finance, which I recommend, But if you want to buy ID Finance, I would advocate for that particular uh, interface to do it because there's going to be a bridge for Ethereum versus Binance. When that bridge comes up, it means that you'll be able to buy Ethereum ID on the cheap, and then you'll be able to convert it straight over to the Binance Smart Chain. And right now, the Binance side of Ethereum is spiking, so I think it's worth at least looking into if you're looking to diversify your portfolio I don't recommend a YOLO at this point because there's a lot of, I, I called them out as a very good, they seem to treat their people as investors and they seem to have all the right intentions to get back on track from all the issues they've had. As I mentioned in a the previous, they started as an, as an IDENU as a dog-based token, and then they've since been trying, they had an issue with the liquidity that was of their own design, and they've since been trying to recoup what they've lost and rebuild as a new, more serious, more professional type token. I've advocated for them to get on ShibaSwap. And at one point, I talked about them getting on Cytomask. Right now would be a good time for them to look into that because with the delay, it buys them some time to get more exposure, I think, within the community. So I have advocated a couple things to kind of get them on track. And then the one thing holding them back, I think, was it took a long time for coin market cap to update trust wallet so that they could reflect correctly with the logo and the price it's now good on the binet side and the ethereum side so if it is something you're interested in like i said indox is the best way to buy it if you're going to use fiat or you're going to use another coin you want to convert over to it i would do that over uniswap because of the gas fees and then my third topic and then we'll wrap this up for today there's there's a new Not new. There's a different layer of communication with tokens. This layer, as I mentioned it briefly, is Polygon. So that's why I said it's not new. It's been around. But Polygon. So if you understand Ethereum, Ethereum has layers that are being built to support the different types of tokens. When you talk the Tron network, as I've mentioned a couple of times, and I still haven't done that one, then I will. The Tron network is a different level over Ethereum Polygon is a different level over Ethereum. Binance is a fork of it, so it's not really a level, it's actually its own, think of it as its own Ethereum in a way, right? And then Phantom is a layer is a level, level two. These level two providers, the benefit, or at least the perceived stated benefit, is lower gas fees because of the way that they are communicating. So Polygon started to become more popular as a way to mint nfts on the cheap nfts predominantly not all but predominantly now are being minted on the polygon side there's pros and cons to this one it's cheaper for the developer two it's cheaper for you if you want to transfer that nft to somebody else or somebody wants to transfer it to you it's actually very cheap because polygon is very cheap to transmit the downside of course is that it's not easy to get into the polygon ecosystem and Coinbase, the main Coinbase, it'll let you buy Polygon. The, co- the toins, token's called Matic now because they merged. But you can buy the token. However, it charges you 7 bucks just to send it out, which is a joke because if you did Stellar XLM, it's like a penny if that. But yet, for whatever reason, on the Matic side, it's like 7 bucks, even though they're both layer twos. So there's something with Coinbase because I say that because the vast majority are going to be using Coinbase that makes it harder to work with it. And if that were to go away, then Polygon will be a viable alternative for doing certain levels of transactions. So if you wanted to buy into a coin or a token now that has been minted on the Polygon side, and this is what I'm going to talk about here in a second, you would have to jump through some hoops to be able to do it, basically buy the Matic token from or Polygon Matic token from an exchange, and pretty much all of them support it to some degree. That's not Coinbase, I mean. Buy it there and then send it over where you want to go. Now, the exchanges will charge you like two bucks or a dollar fifty or something, basically, the cost of one token, uh, one coin to send it wherever you need to go. So, if you have like five dollars worth, you're going to get about four dollars or three and some change on the inside. Then you need to find a wallet that supports it. And of course, MetaMask does support it perfectly fine. Trust Wallet supports it, but you would need to have either a dedicated Polygon wallet or a multi-coin wallet defined to be able to receive it. And then you got to be careful because Polygon has a Binance variant, and that's not what you want. You want the one that is just the Polygon coin specifically. Then you can transmit it and convert it into these things. There's a new wallet at some point I'm going to review because I'm kicking the tires on it right now, and I'm, I'm reasonably happy with it. But the point is there are wallets that support the Polygon. When you define the Polygon wallet, you will send your coin there. It'll charge you about $1, $1. $1.50, maybe two. Once it gets over to that destination, you're free to then buy whatever coin you want using the same process that you would have, which is to get the contract address, plug it in there, and then once you're done, you're off to the races. Now, you have to be careful because there seems to be a lot, a lot of scammers on the Polygon chain, and it looks like a lot of them are coming from India based on what my research has yielded. To the point that the moment you send that transaction across, you, in the new wallet you'll get this. You'll get the garbage token show up. You know the da 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 dot org, and it's like eight hundred thousand tokens, and it's like two hundred thousand bucks. These are scams, and the moment you hit it, they're gonna basically drain your wallet. Now, this is a good reason why I tell people to create a separate wallet for these new. Like if it's Binance, I would separate a wallet from Binance versus Ethereum not just because of the scam, but also because it's easy to work with. But also for Polygon or if you're doing Tron, I wouldn't worry about. Nobody's really scamming Tron because of the way it's built. Because of the Tron, it has other ho- hooks in there that kind of secure it. But like some of these other layer twos or these one-off networks or one-off coins that you're not sure about, I would isolate them to help protect yourself. But just know Polygon specifically, there's it's riddled with scams. It's riddled with bad actors The reason that I'm telling you that story in Polygon is so that you can be aware some token mentors are going to start getting on board with Polygon as it gains momentum. Polygon right now arguably is in the place that Bitcoin would have been in about 2010. It's in a very formative stage as a structure and as more developers move away from the core Ethereum, they're still going to have their Ethereum token but not in terms of the primary. Most are going to start on the Polygon side and then just support migrating over to Ethereum, which is cheaper for them. So as more tokens start spin up on the Polygon side, it's important to be aware how to transact with it today. That means that you're going to need to buy it from an exchange. The token's called PolygonMatic, and then send it to whatever Polygon wallet, and it's a separate wallet from your Ethereum wallet. The Polygon developers have an interface then that allows you to bridge your currency over to the main Ethereum, so that if you wanted to transact on main Ethereum, you could also, when you, if and when you get into NFTs, and let's say you sell one, you're going to need to convert that because it's going to be Polygon Ethereum, and you're going to want to convert that into regular Ethereum, and you will be charged gas fees for the privilege. But it's important to at least know that it's a Polygon. How to identify as Polygon when you look at the, uh, the uh, NFT. On the bottom left, it'll have an icon telling you that it's Polygon, and that's your cue to know, okay, if I want to spend regular Ethereum, I need to convert this at some point should I choose to sell it. The first token then that I have at least discovered, and there's not a lot of traffic on Polygon, but the first token I've discovered, and I'll wrap it up, that is on the Polygon network, it's called Or2 Imperium. And it's listed as Imperium token. And again, it's on the Polygon network specifically, so you're not going to find it on Etherscan. You're not going to find it. You'll find it on PooCoin if you change PooCoin to Matic and then search for Imperium. You're not going to find, and there's a polygon scan, but the easiest way to find it would be just do a search for Ortu, ORTU Imperium, and you'll find the token. Now, the the reason I'm calling this one out now is because they've done their launch. They started getting some holders. They don't have a lot of holders. Right now it's less than 50-60, but they're on a somewhat steady uptrend with the exposure and popularity of, its, of the token. And I knew about it because somebody on the team reached out, and generically reached out and we're telling people, Hey, we're, we're a new token. We want to get more exposure and we're just, we'd invite you to come and chat with us. And so I, as a former auditor, I went through looked at it, looked at the fundamentals, looked at the white paper, looked at the team and everything else. And the number one thing I called out, there's actually a post, um, probably still out there on their Reddit of the different concerns and things that I saw that I wanted them to fix and correct and change because I saw a strong project And I saw all the best intentions, but I was concerned. I was frankly concerned about, you know, the white paper didn't do it for me. And his outreach method didn't do it for me because it, it can be perceived as basically honeypot behavior. You're just putting something out there and hoping people all jump on board instead of a targeted, structured marketing strategy and a plan. Plus, the white paper didn't tell me enough about the who's, the what's, the why's, the when's, the how's, and the why's. I wanted to know more about, hey, look, tell me who the team is. Tell me what the, what problem this token solves. Tell me what it is that we're trying to do. They have it, but it's more emotional rather than functional. And as an investor, I like to leave the emotion out of the picture. You can talk about, you know, we're concerned about the deforestation efforts, and our goal is to try to replenish our earth supply. Da, 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 da. You can state that as a fact, but when you say something like, and this is not them, I'm just saying, when you say something like, you know, we love a green earth and we just want the green earth back. And so we're trying to, that's overly emotional. I'm not, I'm not saying change what you say. I'm saying state it in the form of functional, factual, actual, actionable things that you plan to do and that this token will support to convince me why I should give you my money. That's, that's what my feedback was. Initially, they pushed back on it. Eventually, they bought into it. And at least on the face said that they were going to change it. I checked the white paper recently. It has not changed. So maybe they decided not to take the feedback. I can't force it upon them. It's up to them. It's their token. However, it seems like it's a reasonably stable project, and it seems like it's on, again, an upward trend in pricing. Um, they have a they have a really good burn mechanic, very good burn mechanic. I would argue they have the best burn mechanic of any of the tokens I've seen because they're not doing the dumped-to-dead-wallet dumped Approach, it's literally called out as a burn contract transaction in history record. So you can know that it's actively removing from total supply. That means that it's going to spike that value once they get a lot of people on board. It's going to spike that value. The burns happen with each transaction. There's some, I believe there's some reflections. So they, they again, the tokenomics I had no concern with, and I think it's a solid token to look at. And if you're considering a diverse portfolio, just know. You have choices. You can stay with Ethereum, and that's perfectly cool. You can consider Binance, and that's perfectly cool. You can consider Polygon, and that's perfectly cool. If you want to further diversify, you might consider embracing multiple of these networks, Tron, Polygon, Binance, Ethereum, and just pick and choose different coins from different networks because what that does is it enables you to see where are the sentiments of different people in the cryptocurrency community, and where are they sending their money. We know that today Ethereum is going to be roughly 80% of all traffic of people who are trading. We know this factually to be true because Ethereum was the first started. It was first out. We know that Binance is gaining steam. We can see it in the price of the BNB token. It is currently at $600. I'm telling you now, you should own some BNB token, if for no other reason than to transact, but also because at some point it is going to become the next Ethereum in its price point. So I would strongly advocate that you get some BNB token. Now it is going to spike over the next few years. It's one of those long haul ones. So I think it may be two years before you see significant returns, but it's on an upward trend. It started at like $300. It's up to 600 something coming up on seven. So I don't think you should overlook it either. And then, as I said, Polygon is not quite new, but it is, it's not quite exposed as much. However, on the NFT side, Polygon is becoming more and more of a thing. And as NFTs take off more and more, you're going to see that affect the price of Polygon upward. And by doing so, will cause people to try to buy into it, get more tokens on there, and you're going to have more diversity in the ecosystem. So that's my update for today. Again, with the Satama Group, I personally don't think that the FOMO sell-off is the right answer, but I also think that there's some underlying reasons people are doing it to try to increase bags that's my theory that's my tin hat theory i don't recommend IndoX unless you're buying id because that's your only choice in the matter but for every other token that's there you have better choices everywhere else i'm not even going to list IndoX in my list of exchanges it's not worth the breath and then of course. The Polygon network is getting hot and heavy, so keep an eye on it. If you're a diverse portfolio-type person, keep an eye on the Polygon network. Just be aware there is a lot of scammers and a lot of bad actors over there coming from the India side. However, I think that there has an opportunity to be a number of tokens coming from that side that are going to potentially make you some money, and NFTs are increasingly minting on the Polygon network because of the gas fees inherent with Ethereum. So you might start seeing more focus on the Polygon side, even if only for the NFTs and the saving of the gas fees. So if you're looking at more diversification of a portfolio, I can't think of any other better option than to investigate Polygon's network, investigate Tron, investigate Phantom, investigate all of them so you can understand the differences in investment strategy, and then learn through all the different various videos and whatnot to set up different wallets for different types of networks Your challenge, of course, is going to be to interplay between them, but the developers are getting better at cross-bridge solutions that let you convert across networks. Ethereum is going to be the biggest pain because of gas.